0: Hello there, and welcome to Grim Reading, where each episode we read and review a brother's grim tale. My name is Matthew Hughes, and with me on this journey is my co host, Mr. Adam Field. This week on Grim Reading, Clever Gretel. So make yourself comfortable and prepare for a
1: Grim Reading.
0: There was once a cook named Gretel who wore shoes with red heels. And when she walked out with them on, she turned herself this way and that and thought, you certainly are a pretty girl. And when she came home, she drank in her gladness of heart a gulp of wine. And as wine excites her desire to eat, she tasted the best of whatever she was cooking until she was satisfied and said, the cook must know what the food is like.
1: <laughs> okay. You with me? Okay. So we got quite a... Uh Quite a sassy cook, yeah, get, who turns this, Zoe and that. Oh, I'm yeah. guessing just basically just strutting down the street like pretty woman, like yeah, she's <laughs> yeah. got red heel shoes. I love the uh, the description. Basically, when she gets home, she drinks wine, and when she drinks wine, she eats food. Yeah, that's how it works. Well, the cook must know what the food is like, right? Uh, absolutely, you've got to taste what you're eating. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So it's all very, it's all good
0: fun, and she's got shoes with red heels. It's great. Oh, yeah, and she turns this way and that. Great. Clever Gretel. It came to pass that the master one day said to her, Gretel, there is a guest coming this evening. Prepare me two fowls very daintily. I will see to it, master, answered Gretel. She killed two fowls, scalded them, plucked them, put them on the spit, and towards evening set them before the fire that they might roast. The fowls began to turn and brown and were nearly ready, but the guest had not yet arrived. Then Gretel called out to her master, If the guest doesn't come, I must take the fowls away from the fire. But it would be a sin and a shame if they're not eaten directly when they are juiciest. I mean, that's true. You've got you know, They're
1: <laughs> yeah. going to be past their best. If they, she has to take them away, they go cold. What a like, waste of fowl.
0: Spit roasted fowl, come on, it sounds delicious. Well, the master said to this, I will run myself and fetch the guest. When the master had turned his back, Gretel laid the spit with the fowls on one side and thought, Standing so long by the fire there makes one hot and thirsty. Who knows when they'll come? Uh Meanwhile, I'll run to the cellar and take a drink. No, don't drink wine. You know how it makes you hungry. (laughs) She ran down, took a jug and said, God bless it to your use, Gretel. And took a good drink and yet another hearty drink. Oh, okay. I think she might have a problem. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Then she went and put, she's just loving life, come
0: on, it's grassy. Yeah,
1: a glass of red wine is good for you. Keeps the doctor away. (laughs)
0: Exactly. (laughs) So she's had a couple of glugs of wine while she's waiting, because she's been hanging out by the fire. It's hot, thirsty work. When you're hot by the fire, all you want is just a glass of wine. Then she went and put the fowls down again to the fire, basted them, and drove the spit merrily round. But as the roast meat smelled so good, Gretel thought, Something might be wrong. It ought to be tasted. She touched it with her finger and said, Ah! How good fowls are! It certainly is a sin and a shame that they're not eaten directly. She ran to the window to see if the master was not coming with his guest. But she saw no one and went back to the fowls and thought, One of the wings is burning. I'd better take it off and eat it. (laughs) So, so she was <laughs> I think they're going to notice, Gretel. So she cut it off, ate it, and enjoyed it. And once she had, she thought, Oh, the other must go down too, or else Master will observe that something's missing. Well, okay. <laughs> Good logic. When the two wings were eaten, she went and looked for her Master and did not see him. It suddenly occurred to her, Who knows? They are perhaps not coming at all and have turned in somewhere. Then she said, Hello, Gretel. Enjoy yourself. (laughs) One fowl has been cut into, take another drink and eat it up entirely. And when it is eaten, you'll have some peace. Why should God's good gifts be spoiled? So she ran into the cellar again, took an enormous drink, and ate up the one chicken in great glee. (laughs) Wait, 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 now it's a chicken. (laughs) It's gone from a fowl, just like a
1: guinea fowl or something, to a whole chicken. (laughs) I suppose chickens are, are technically fowl. Are they? I I guess so. I thought they were more poultry. Yeah. Well, interesting. I mean, maybe we'll get into this later, but long story short, she's got drunk and eaten a whole rotisserie chicken.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, I mean, you know, that sounds delicious and quite filling. However... When one of the chickens was swallowed down, and still her master did not come, Gretel looked at the other and said, (laughs) It's your turn next. (laughs) Where one is, the other should be likewise. The two go together.
1: (laughs) Yes, it's a a two-chicken
0: set. What's right for one is right for the other. (laughs) I think if I were to take another drink, it would do me no harm. So she took another hearty drink and let the second chicken rejoin the first. <laughs> rejoin? <laughs> You're right, mate. What's up? What's going on here? It's a great use of language. <laughs> it's beautiful. Oh dear.
1: So she's eaten two chickens now. <laughs> and she's all hot by the fire and sweaty <laughs> no, and drunk. Sweaty and drunk, eating two whole chickens. Master, are you coming home? See? <laughs> I'm oh not dear. sure I could handle that. <laughs> no. She's got an iron
0: constitution Oh, she
1: really does We, we, we don't have any uh, like Rotisserie chickens going by our no. fire error a trick
0: here Next time Okay, so We've got this, this debauched picture Okay, good Living at large Okay While she was just in the best of eating Her master came and cried Hurry up, Gretel The guest is coming directly after me Oh,
1: no Oh, no, that sinking feeling, like, (laughs) halfway through, just, like, gnawing on a chicken. Oh, no. I think he sort
0: of shouted that to her off screen. Yeah, he didn't, he doesn't know what's what's been going on. He's in a bit of a tiz, kind of trying to figure everything out. He's just shouted that into the next room. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yes, sir, I'll soon serve up, answered Gretel. Meantime, the master looked to see that the table was properly laid and took the great knife with which he was going to carve the chickens and sharpened it on the steps. Present (gasps) On the steps (laughs) He's just sitting on the steps sharpening a knife (laughs) Presently the guest arrived And knocked politely and courteously at the door Gretel ran and looked to see who was there And when she saw the guest She put her finger to her lips And said Hush hush Get away as quickly as you can If my master catches you It'll be bad for you He certainly did ask you to supper But his intention is to cut off your two ears Just listen how he is sharpening the knife for it The guest heard the sharpening and hurried down the steps again as fast as he could. Gretel was not idle. She ran screaming to her master and cried, "'You've invited a fine guest!' "'Eh? Why, Gretel, what do you mean by that?' "'Yes,' said she. "'He's taken the chickens which I was just going to serve up off the dish "'and has run away with them!' "'Oh, Gretel, oh, what have (laughs) you done?' (laughs) "'That's a nice trick!' said her master and lamented the fine chickens." if he had but left me one, so that something remained for me to eat. He called to him to stop, but the guest pretended not to hear. Then he ran after him with the knife still in his hand, crying, just one, just one, meaning that the guest should leave him just one chicken and not take both. The guest, however, thought no otherwise than oh. that he was to give up one of his ears and ran as if fire were burning under him in order to take them both home with him. The et.
1: love it yeah what a great little story it's like a little it's like a little comedy sketch
0: it really is yeah it's it really genuinely
1: is. like a little sketch it's like a farce isn't it you can yeah, say yeah. oh it's a right situation i've got myself in here and then she plays them off against each other <laughs> <laughs> <I> just...
0: <laughs>
1: not quite like like hill that, music yeah. going like yeah
0: yeah yeah she, um, it's brilliant isn't it because she's put herself in this situation, where she's yeah. gorged on the chicken, and then the master comes home and it's like, uh-oh.
1: Uh-oh, how am I going to get out of this fine mess I've got myself into? And then she very cleverly, clever Gretel, gets herself out of it. I, and I would just imagine, after, at the end of that story, when it's, she's pulled off the plan brilliantly, yeah, she sort of <laughs> runs off sort of clicking her heels with her wonderful red heel shoes, She's
0: like, oh yes. <laughs> <laughs> and smiles, and it like, bing! <laughs> yeah, absolutely.
1: She's such a cheeky character. She really is. I love it. Yeah,
0: in in a way that we've never seen before, I'd say. Yeah, and I think that's particularly set up with the opening paragraph, which is quite an odd intro because in a way it's it's almost not necessary. It's that whole bit where it's like Gretel is a cook and she likes to go out and put her red shoes on and yeah. drink wine and eat and say that she says to herself, "You're looking good." Um, and it really creates this like hedonistic atmosphere. Yeah, it does. There's a sense of like just pure enjoyment in frivolity, or like just yeah. sensual pleasures. It's just fun, and it's really set up at the beginning because it could have just said one day there was a master and a cook. Yeah, no, I, exactly. But it has because it, it doesn't. It
1: doesn't serve the narrative at all. No, and what it does is build her up as a character, and we've never had
0: that before. I'd say no, like, and especially with female characters, it's really noticeable because, yeah. you know, we, ha- we have people who are described as beautiful, right? So you have the princesses, the the pretty princess that even the sun can't deal with because they're too good looking. Yeah. But they're usually kind of meek and graceful, right? Yeah. Whereas this feels different. She's yeah. just like having fun.
1: Yeah, she's just full of joie de vivre. Absolutely. And it's great because there's no, there's no real villain in this story. No one's... Mm horrible necessarily, you know I don't think there's anything to suggest her master is a particularly bad person, I don't think there's no. anything to suggest that the guest is a particularly bad person, or Gretel, I mean she, she's cheeky in eating two rotisserie chickens <laughs> but, but like, it's just a really funny situation
0: and yeah, in, in a way, I mean yeah, there's not like a hero with a sort of problem or a villain that they have to overcome, mm-hmm. in a way she's technically doing the wrong thing But you're kind of with her. She is. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And the stakes aren't that high. No. I mean, they kind of are for her, because it's like, oh, goodness, what's going to happen when they come back? Yeah. But really, it's just, it's fun. It's almost a bit like a joke, maybe, in a way. Yeah. It's just a kind of fun little anecdote.
1: Yeah, because it's it's a very short, self-contained story that takes place over, really, a few hours, I think, as far as we can tell. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. I think one of the best parts about it is the fact that a bit like *Puss in Boots* a few episodes back, it's actually quite clever. The the mechanism, yeah, the little twist at the end, like what how she plays them off against each other is a brilliant little device. Oh,
1: it's brilliant, and and it,
0: there's like there's like a logic to it that really works. And I suppose, in a way, thinking about it, it maybe is a bit like *Puss in Boots* in the sense that what you're doing is you have you have someone in a lower position, mm-hmm. and what they're doing is they're sort of playing the ignorance of the people above them off of each other yeah. or just using that to get ahead.
1: Yeah. But this one feels, it just feels like a comedy sketch, doesn't it? It feels like yeah, it really does. something out of a sitcom where a character's in a predicament mm. and ends up playing other people off against each other. And it it yeah, it's, it feels like you, you could have just cut that out of a sitcom written today
0: or in the last couple of decades. Like, yeah. it's just great. I thought it was interesting um, that she got drunk,
1: quite clearly yeah. got
0: drunk in the story. I
1: mean, very clearly. I mean, <laughs> w- at one point, was it described as an extremely large drink or something yeah. like that?
0: And <laughs> it was like, then she had another. <laughs> and another, and another. And it, it always says, you know, she drank heartily or yeah. merrily. I think that was the, the chicken, actually. It's like the chicken went merrily around the spit, and it's just like, <laughs> it's all joyous. And I love how she says, when she takes a swig, she says, God bless it to your use, Gretel. And then she's talking to herself. I'm, I'm having that. If I'm having a, a drink on my own in, the, in a, the castle drawing room on a lonely evening, <laughs> yeah. just say, God bless it to your use, Matt. It's great. <laughs>
1: that is lovely. That's great. Mm. A great way to toast yourself. So it is, it is like a joke, but
0: it's, I also thought, so if I, you know, the last story, the 12 brothers that we just did, right, that was quite mm-hmm. like, um, that was quite like a kind of mishmash of things we've seen before. This yeah. really feels different.
1: Yeah, oh, totally. I couldn't actually think of a single mm. kind of theme or trope or anything we've had in this that really we've had before. It doesn't retread in any old ground, as far as I can tell.
0: Yeah. One other thing I thought was that, um, you know, so it is just like a, a fun joke, but, you know, this was from the 19th century and the early 19th century and in a rigidly hierarchical society, like, you know, Germany Mm. or the German Confederation or whatever it was Mm. quite a subversive tale really if you think about it and I've seen interpretations where you know you could see this as like deep-seated fear of the lower classes by the upper classes Mm. that the servants are kind of manipulating their masters right and also when you think that, I, I've seen a lot of observers of the Brothers Grimm say that they are kind of writing an instruction manual for like how German society should be. And you often have, by hard work, you kind of get ahead and everyone has their place, especially women. Mm. But in this one, you have a lower class woman kind of just playing with her master. absolutely, And absolutely besting him. So as you say, yeah, that's what makes it
1: subversive. It's really interesting
0: and I think that you know the Brothers Grimm are said to be quite conservative and they're kind of Mm -hmm. trying to paint a picture where everyone has their place with their fairy tales sort of their sense of how society should be ordered is seen in the stories but I just think as as ever we continue to be surprised like yeah that doesn't show that at all that shows a girl just enjoying herself yeah Totally. Not sort of deferring to any men or being, you know, sort of uh, angelically beautiful that the men appreciate. She's just enjoying her life and she also manipulates her masters. So it's just, once again, we've got something original. We've got something completely yeah. different. You can't pigeonhole these stories, as we keep saying. And actually what's really,
1: no, 100% on that, and I think what's really interesting there is in some of the stories there is a... There is a mobility in that, you know, you do get a hmm. poor boy from the lower classes becomes a a prince or, you know, a girl marries a prince and becomes a princess. You know, there is a mobility there, but the the redemption in that arc is sort of mm-hmm. jumping from a lower class into an upper class position. Whereas this, the woman doesn't go anywhere. At the end of the story, she's still a lower class cook, yeah but, but she still wins. She's... A, I suppose it's showing that the value isn't in what class you come from, but in sort of having your own fun and making your own luck kind
0: of thing. It's not that the victory is being subsumed into the higher class. Like, that's exactly where you should be aiming for. It's nothing to do with that at all. It's nothing to do with that, yeah. She's just having a great time. Yeah. And, you know, it is true that these, you know, the Brothers Grimm fairy tale collection is full of different types of stories. They're not all fairy tales, which are perhaps arguably where... Yeah, like a poor boy goes into the woods, some magic happens and he ends up being king, which is kind of the classic archetypal fairy tale. You do get other types yeah. of things. And in a way, maybe like jokes. You get like fun little anecdotal jokes. Yeah.
1: Oh, completely. Yeah. Completely. Fascinating. I, I'm, I'm loving this story. I'm so this glad. I'm so glad. Me too. I absolutely it's, love it. It's so good. It's properly funny as well. And uh, I do like to think that this is... Gretel, uh, you know, maybe after her witch hunter days.
0: Well, I was going to say, clever Gretel, clever Hansel and Gretel Gretel, eh? Mm -hmm. Is it? Eh? I mean, the, the Gretel of Hansel and Gretel fame, I'd say is pretty clever. So, I mean, it could be. Right. Well, also, once again, this is a story about food. So, Hansel and Gretel, they eat a cake house that they shouldn't. Yeah. And this Gretel is eating food that she's not allowed to do. Oh, she just can't help herself. <laughs> she us can't us help herself. <laughs> she
1: loves it. <laughs> she just loves food. She's graduated from forbidden uh, cake houses to
0: forbidden rotisserie chickens. Well, for anyone who really knows their grim reading, you'll know that we read Hansel and Gretel. Then we read last year, Gambling Hansel, which I like to think yeah. was uh, what happened to Hansel. He got a gambling addiction and um, took on God. And now we're seeing what happened to his sister Gretel, right? Yeah. <laughs> she became a cheeky cook.
1: It's great to see those those two sort of go on to to great success in their lives. Yeah, I know. Absolutely I'm prou- proud of them. They did well. <laughs> good kids they were, good kids.
0: So, Clever Gretel first appeared in the second version of Kinder und Hausmarken, the Brothers Grimm fairy tales. Okay. It wasn't in there to start with, but it arrived later. Okay. It was collected from various oral and literary sources. So it's a bit of a mix. Right, so it doesn't have a defined source. No, well, there was one that the Grimm's specifically highlight as the main source in their notes. Okay. So they get all these different versions of it, but they have one sort of central source that they refer to, a literary source, uh, which is a work published in 1700 by Andreas Strobel. And it's called... Oh, no. I, re- <laughs> I really should have practiced the pronunciation of this. <laughs> Go on. So this is the... The publication that they got their main source for Clever Gretel from a 1700 source. Yeah. Ovum pascale oder Neuegefart Oster Wow. Good
1: job Thanks, on man. the pronunciation. That's got
0: to be one of the worst <laughs> pronunciations <laughs> I've ever done. Goodness is that, me. What, what language is that? I think that's a mix of Latin and German. <laughs> so oh, wow. It's okay. never going to go well. Um <laughs> And from <laughs> what I gathered from it, um, it appears to be a collection of stories and legends for Easter time. Okay. Published in 1700. So, interestingly, in that version from Strobel, Clever Gretel at the end is caught and then fired. Oh, <gasps> no. Yeah. Now, particularly interesting there, I thought, is that the Grimms clearly left that part out of their story. Yeah. Now, perhaps that's because it didn't match with the other accounts that they'd uh, collected. But still, I thought, you know, the Grimm's are often accused of being prudish or sexist. But once again, we see here that they surprise us. So they could have kept that in. And we had that in the Twelve Brothers as well, right? Where yeah. they, um, they sort of toned down in arguably the sort of overt sexism.
1: Yeah, the, and the darker, yeah, elements of that so story. So once again,
0: they kind of, it doesn't, the, the grims don't make sense. Like, what are, what are you guys doing? I know,
1: well, they're complicated people. Um, <laughs> they are. I mean, possibly, maybe one theory could be that they felt the ending didn't chime with the whole idea of clever Gretel. Yeah. The idea of clever Gretel being, sh- she comes out on top. Yeah. Maybe, or maybe they made some kind of, yeah, moral decision that they thought no this doesn't seem like the right ending for this person i, I suppose
0: yeah we don't know but I, I mean i think possibly there's an element of other stories that they collected didn't have that right and in a way it almost adding the idea of gretel being caught and fired it, it doesn't ring true necessarily and perhaps this like andrea strobel writing in 1700 that is that's a sort of upper class man kind of moralising it and yeah. saying, aha, she was a naughty person, she should have So she have done shouldn't
1: that. have done that. Lesson there, kids, is don't do that. But we don't know. But that also would have totally, I think, sucked the fun out of the story. Yeah,
0: absolutely.
1: Whatever decision was made, that that feels like the right one. Yeah, well done, boys. Well
0: yeah, done. Yeah, well, 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 well done. done. Lads. Hats off. This tale, Clever Gretel, is found in the ATU category one seven four one. Trickster wives and maids. (laughs) Trickster (laughs) wives and maids. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, just once again, just super quick for new listeners or people who've forgotten or just can't get their head around it. The ATU index is a taxonomy of folktales, which categorizes stories by their narrative structure so that you can compare different folktales from around the world based on their similarities. That's sort of the most simple way we can put it. Brilliantly put. So there is another brilliant story from ATU one seven four one Tricks of Wives and Maids that I'd like to share with you, Adam.
1: Oh yes! <laughs> it's, it's Christmas has come really <laughs> early this year.
0: Well, even better. This is a story from the One Thousand and One Nights, aka the Arabian Nights. What? Come on! It's been mentioned a few times, yeah. I think, like, on the podcast. I think even in our very first episode, I mentioned it. Was it really? Wow. So the story is called The Woman Who Humoured Her Lover at Her Husband's Expense. <laughs> Whoa! It takes the clever Gretel concept in a direction I think you're going to enjoy, Adam. Oh. It's a little more saucy, as you can tell from uh, the title. Yeah. So if any kids listening, time for beds. And uh, let's <laughs> keep this for the grown-ups, Okay. <laughs> So, as I said, it's from the One Thousand and One Nights. You've heard of the Arabian Nights, yeah? I've certainly heard of it. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I don't know too much about it, but I know you've mentioned it before. That's about. That's the about of my knowledge.
0: <laughs> the limit of your knowledge. We've reached yeah. the limit of Adam's We've knowledge. Reached the limit. Yeah. Let's
1: expand that knowledge right now.
0: At its simplest, the One Thousand and One Nights is a collection of folk tales written in the Middle East, which. Took shape over several centuries, if that makes okay. sense. Yeah. Yep. And it's associated with some very famous stories, including Aladdin, of course, Ali Baba and the Forty Thieves. Oh, yep. And the Adventures of Sinbad the Sailor. Oh yeah, know that one as well. All of which I'm
1: hoping we'll cover one day. Ah, oh, fantastic! That'd be so great. But for now, we're concerned simply with a little tale called The Woman
0: who humoured her lover at her husband's expense. There was once a man in Cairo who had a wife. The wife had a lover. One day, the I, I'm kind of summing this up. just this the intro. I'm just going to paint the picture okay. for you. Okay. One day, the lover came to visit, and uh, he saw that she happened to have a pair of fine geese in the house. Lovely. <laughs> <laughs> this... Uh, this whetted his appetite, and he said, yummo, let's tuck into those. Right, who's saying this? The lover? The lover's saying this to the wife. Yeah, the husband's out. She said, no problem, I'll kill them and stuff them for you to take home so that my husband won't get any. She really <laughs> didn't like her husband. She's like, I don't want him to have them. I'm going to give them to you, my lover. Yeah. <laughs> he said, how's that possible? How are you going to do that? And she said, I'm going to serve him a trick. Muhaha. <laughs> Ooh. And I'll read directly from the story from now on. So okay. that's sort of the setup. That's the setup. Wow, I love it. When her husband returned that evening, she said to him, How can you call yourself a man when you never invite anyone to your house? Surely people will talk about you, saying that you are a miser and know nothing of generosity. Woman, he said, I can easily do this. Tomorrow morning, I will buy meat and rice, which you can cook for our dinner or supper, and I will invite one of my friends. She said... <laughs> You're loving this. <laughs> this is brilliant. She said to him, No, instead of that, buy a pound of mince meat, then slaughter the two geese, and I will stuff them and fry them. Nothing is more savory than that to offer guests. He said, I will do so for sure. Early the next morning, he slaughtered the geese. Then went forth and bought a pound of meat, which he minced, plus rice and hot spices, and everything else that would be required. Oh, this sounds delicious. Mm. Wild rice sort of dressing, like, yeah, oof. sounds great. So he's got all the ingredients. He carried these home to his wife, saying, Finish your cooking before midday when I will bring my guest. And he went away she cleaned out the geese stuffed them with minced meat and a portion of rice and almonds and raisins and fried them until they were all cooked after which she sent for her lover upon his arrival they made merry together then she gave him the geese and he left her oh yeah so he's he's got the <laughs> okay. he's got the geese so the husband yeah did all this she's now stuffed the geese given them to the lover and he's gone yeah, she's playing a husband for a fool at noon her husband came home accompanied by a friend the wife asked, Why have you only brought one man? Go back and fetch two or three more. Good, what? he said, and went off to do as she had asked. What? You, why don't you bring anyone home?
1: Do you have any friends? <laughs> bring a friend home. So he brings a friend home. Why have you only brought one friend home? <laughs> I'm sorry. Bring more, come on. Okay. <laughs> See you shortly. He's fallen for
0: it, line, and sinker.
1: Has he left the guest there?
0: Yes, he's left the guest there. Right. Okay. So, now the woman accosted the guest crying out oh the pity of it by god you are lost and what a shame that you have no children now when the man heard these words he was struck with fear and exclaimed woman what are you saying she replied in truth my husband brought you here with the intention of gelding you to a castrato i pity you whether you live or die hearing this the guest rushed out of the door just as the husband was returning with two more friends do you see what's happening? Do you see what's happening? No, I see... I totally see what's happening. It's like
1: the other story, except instead of losing his ears, he's going to lose something else. So the
0: husband's come home, the w- with two more friends. The, <laughs> the wife met him at the entrance and said to him, Oh, man, why did you bring home a fellow who is a thief and a ne'er-do-well? How so? He asked. She answered, The man stole the two geese and ran away. Hearing this, the husband went out and caught sight of the guest running off. He shouted to him, Come back, come back. At least give me one, and then you can keep the other. The man cried in reply, If you catch me, you'll take them both. The housemaster meant the two geese, but the man who was running away thought only of himself, saying to himself, He means that he will take only one of my testes and leave me the other. (laughs) I love how it just comes out and says it. He's saying that to himself as well.
1: Yeah, I know. (laughs) Also, it's made me say that word on the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Never thought that would happen.
0: So the guest kept running, with the husband following after him. Unable to catch him, he returned to his guests and served them a simple meal of bread and such. All the while, the woman kept blaming him and nagging him about the matter of the geese, which she said his friend had carried off, but which, in truth, she had given to her lover. The End
1: Wow. So that was. That's great. That was
0: taken from Richard F. Burton's The Supplemental 1001 Nights, published in London in 1894. And in a way, it feels to me of like a bit of an uncensored version, possibly. Right, yeah, 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 definitely. It almost makes clever Gretel feel like a censored version. And as evidence, I can point to the fact that there is a 12th century French text and a 13th century German language texts of this story that have uh, the same two things that are going to be cut off.
1: Yeah, not ears this time, something else. (laughs) You enjoy that? No, I love that. And that actually sort of crystallised a thought that I hadn't maybe expressed earlier with Clever Gretel, which is, uh, I've said a lot about how it's very much like a sort of sitcom Mm. kind of thing, and... It is a classic comic device of misunderstanding, of talking at cross purposes. It's a very common thing, and that's sort of made explicit there. He thought he was talking about this. He was talking about that. And they're sort of having a conversation, but neither one actually understands what the other one's talking about. Mm. It's brilliant. It's brilliant. Um, But I think something that this lacks that Clever Gretel has is that Clever Gretel's doing it because she's getting wasted <laughs> and wants to snack on some chicken. And I love that. Whereas this feels like it's all oh, sneaky wife uh, cheating on her husband, sneaking around. And it yeah. that doesn't feel quite as nice as Clever Gretel. Yeah,
0: this is more about like a deceptive wife than a freewheeling mate, which is more fun. Exactly, Definitely. It's way more fun, yeah. No, I totally agree. But you can see how that you can take that central device and sort of yeah. add it in another way. There's also a Sicilian version of the story where a, a wife is annoyed at having to host the local priest every Lent when they're so poor. So the priest comes around for dinner, but they she's okay. like, oh, why do we have to feed the priest? <laughs> so the trick there is that after she's eaten the food, like that she's cooking, when the priest arrives for dinner, She tells the visiting priest that her husband is obsessed with gouging eyes out. (laughs) It's a bit weird, but, you know, it's his hobby. So in the chase there, the priest thinks he's referring to his eyes. And kind of crucially, after that, the priest didn't come round anymore.
1: Oh, brilliant. So she served a greater purpose there. So
0: in a way, you know, that's a Sicilian version, and that perhaps speaks to life of the Sicilian peasantry. Right. Where they're sick of entertaining priests. Exactly. (laughs) There you go. There's just a few other ways you can do clever Gretel. That's fantastic. And to
1: be honest... Something else this episode is doing is making me hungry. (laughs) This goose that she's prepared with minced meat and and rice and apricots and raisins. It sounds delicious.
0: All right. Well, should we have a mini mini food break? Let's go see how our five course meals are shaping up in the kitchens before we do the score. I think we should. All right. See you shortly. (laughs)
1: Are you uh, are you satisfied? Satiated? I'm I'm sated. Is it sated or satiated? Who knows? Yeah, I'm not sure. But yes, that was delicious goose. <laughs>
0: either, either way, sated or satiated. <laughs> I've had my geese. I've had my geese. Well, I think it's uh, it's score time. Yes. What are you thinking about, clever Gretel? Well, I mean, it's
1: no secret that I really enjoyed that. I think obviously it's. It doesn't have an epic scope like a lot of stories. And it doesn't pretend to. No. But I think the simplicity of it would maybe keep it from a high, high position. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. So that would preclude me from giving it a nine, I think. But I think I'm going to give it an eight.
0: An eight. Okay, that's a really good score for a little story.
1: For a little story, because it's just brilliant. It's just so good. Like I... We both really
0: enjoyed that story, right? Absolutely. It's funny, it's charming, it's great. Yeah, I kind of feel like actually this one and Puss in Boots are ones that... Like, if you were at the pub and someone was like, tell me a story, you tell those two. You tell Puss in Boots and you tell this one because they're just satisfying and fun. Yeah. So I think that's well-deserved, that eight. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm thinking similar. I mean, we've kind of said it all, I guess, but I, I think that... I think especially the fact that you've got the kind of... If you take the normal, perhaps, gender politics of the Grimm's fairy tales about women slotting into the patriarchal structure, mm-hmm. and, you know, however much agency they have or how, or the adventures that they go on, they end up being married and have qualities that men or society think that women should have. I mean, just think about King Thrushbeard, for example, where a woman yeah. is almost literally dragged through the mud until she's learnt humility... Yeah, this is nothing like that this is nothing like those it's it's refreshing isn't it absolutely yeah it's a woman enjoying herself and indulging in what she likes and making fools out of the men who are above her you know I don't want to get too sort of bogged down in the gender politics of it um, but it is a heroine that we've not seen before and I like it oh me too but on top of that so you've got that and I've also seen it argued that all these versions of Clever Gretel that they are considered in many ways extremely transgressive like they are poking fun at and undermining social structures which are quite embedded in these societies from when they were recorded if that makes sense yeah Uh, you know whether that's the patriarchal household or it's the institution of the church like the sicilian one or just the class structure of maids and servants so in some ways it's pretty intense really it's quite strong what it's trying to do but at the same time it's also really just good fun yeah I mean, the only negative, I thought, is that the story kind of it had to explain the joke at the end. Yeah. It said, he was running, and he thought this, while the other one meant that. I know. It's
1: almost better if it's left unsaid, isn't it? It's sort of like explaining a joke and taking the comedy
0: out. But. Apart from that, I can't really fault it. So I'm thinking similar. What did you give it? I gave it an eight. I'm thinking, I was thinking eight or a nine, and I think you're right. Maybe nine's too high. So I might go 8.5. Excellent. Is that is this is this it 8.5 Five, final
1: score 16.5 out
0: of 20 Not bad Not a bad score That's a high score for a short story
1: What a delightful episode It's been charming hasn't it <laughs> It's been lovely And never has a story made me quite so hungry <laughs> No you know what I think I might go have another goose <laughs> Go for it I'm going to have another chicken Brilliant
0: Well bon appetit um I'll see you. I'll see, when will I be seeing you again, Adam? What, what's, what have we got coming up next?
1: You'll be seeing me for a delightful retelling of the story,
0: The Wonderful Musician. I, I cannot wait for that. A bit of music. We've had, we've had wine and geese. Next up, a bit of music. <laughs> what,
1: a, what a lovely evening it's shaping up to be. All
0: right. Well, until then, keep it grim. And we'll see you in The Wonderful Musician. See you then.
1: Bye. Bye. If you'd like to support the podcast, please head over to patreon.com grimreading to find out how, and also see the range of benefits available as a thank you from us. You can, of course, email us at grimreadingpodcast at gmail.com. We're on Twitter at grimreadingpod, and we're also on Instagram and Facebook at grimreading. You can find us on Podbean podbean.com slash GrimReading. And we also have a website, GrimReading.wordpress.com. Keep it Grim.
0: Eh? Hey. Why, Gretel? Why, Why, Gretel, what do you mean by that? That's not his voice. This is a mess. (laughs) (laughs) It's fine. There was once a man in Cairo who had a wife. Oh, right. I thought this was going to be a limerick. (laughs) There once was a man in Cairo (laughs) who liked to write using a biro. (laughs) (laughs) He, He... wrote his life down and then began to frown when he realized (laughs) he needed a A gyro. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. That is not (laughs) standard.